Hi everyone, it's Lisa Gregg. Let's highlight real. In today's episode, I sit down with Leslie Kelly, also known as High Heels and Canola Fields. We talk all things mental well-being, agriculture, farming, and how to take care of ourselves. Leslie is the co-founder of the Do More Egg Foundation, and I so look forward to you learning more about how we can talk more about mental health to help end the stigma. Um, so we'll just kind of start in whenever we're ready, but I'm just so excited to like unpack women and egg and like mental health with you. I think yes. it's, um, mental health is my jam. And so to talk to, um, like to talk to like a female farmer and like woman and egg who like, it's just, it's, I'm excited to kind of learn more about your story because I think it's just so important. Yeah, me too. And uh, both topics are very near and dear to my heart and any opportunity to share more, um, the better. So thank you for having me. No problem. So I think where I'm going to start, Leslie, is I actually want to just dive into where every cliche podcast starts. And yes. I just want <laughs> to know more about you. And so it's like that open-ended, like vast question, but I love seeing where people take it. And so I just want to hear from you kind of, you know, who are you? What are you about? And then I will just take away the layers from there. For sure. So who am I? Such a convoluted question with so many layers. Um, I would like to describe myself as a wife, a mother to two amazing little boys, uh, a farmer, a marketer by trades. I am also on the uh, Sasqueed board. I'm a director on Sasqueed. I have uh, a blog called High Heels and Canola Fields that also has taken me to other uh, different adventures like podcasting. I have a, a podcast with uh, the shark farmer called What the Farm. Uh, also started into vlogging. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker and co-founder of Do More Eggs. So uh, I wear lots of different hats, which really shares more about my personality as to I try lots of things. I love to do lots of things, but what boils down to it is all the things that I do, it is to share my love of uh, life, life in general, my love of people, and then my love of food and farming and what connects us all. And that's through who we are. Oh, I love that, Leslie. And as you're talking, I'm like, wow. So like, you're just not busy at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where I, since being a mental health advocate, you know, we also, uh, and I just wrote an article on um, how we don't define ourselves through productivity and by being busy and our culture is about being busy. So behind the scenes, like uh, um, I, I try as much as I, like I've learned to say no and that by saying no, does it make me, um, you know, that I don't care and I, I don't love it, but I also have to put myself and my family on that list. And that's what is, it is important. So I would love to do more, but, um, I do things that bring me joy and that fill my cup and that's what boils down to it. So, uh, being busy. Yes. I thrive on being busy, but it's not about being busy. Oh, I love that differentiation about like it not being about business, about being busy because 
Oh, we wear it as a badge of honor almost. We do, yeah. Like uh, who's, busy, who's busier than who? And, and you can be busy, but you might not be doing things that, um, you know, are fulfilling or, you know, it could be overwhelming and maybe not living life. So my whole thing is doing, doing it if it brings you joy and passion and love and growth and things that you're doing it for the right reasons and not because you're told to or you should to, you, you should. Right. And as women, like rest and relaxation has become like the swear word. And mm-hmm. it's like, if, you know, if we are seen resting or, you know, and I say this in quotes, like doing nothing, it's like, oh, but what are you doing with your time? And it's like, actually the art of rest and restoration is like so undervalued in our culture. And I love how you're just really naming the fact that, you know, busy is fine, but it it really needs to be sparking joy. Yeah. And rest for me is productive uh, because I need that rest in order to be, to bring my best self, my full self and do the things that I want to do. Oh, totally. And so as we unpack some of these layers, Leslie, and so I you know, grew up rural Saskatchewan. I grew up with farming parents. I always knew that I would never farm. And it wasn't, it wasn't even for me living on the farm. My mom has always joked that I have been the most urban farmer that ever existed. And, um, with that, I knew that I always never wanted to farm. And as you described yourself, one of your labels, of course, being a farmer, did you always know that you wanted to farm? No, and it wasn't until just, I would say a couple of years ago that I actually started to call myself a farmer, even though um, that was where our income came from. And that's what my husband was doing. It was hard for me to describe myself as a farmer because I'm not uh, on the day-to-day operations. I'm behind the scenes business. And when they need a fourth line to come out, then I'll, I'll go and run a, a piece of equipment. But I remember when I first started to date my husband, I remember driving, he picked me up from the farm driving down the gravel road we were talking about life and where we wanted to be and where we wanted to go and I remember telling him like I will never marry a farmer and uh he said I crushed his soul but he's worked on me and uh <laughs> and I knew that's what he wanted to do but it was one of those things that I did want to share with him because growing up I I love my farm life and I'm very very grateful for for living on a farm and all the things that it's taught me but I never was the person that, you know, ran out and it was the first thing that I wanted to do was hit the field and, and be out there. Um, I had other aspirations. So in high school, I love sports. I love the competitiveness. I love being around people. I love the team atmosphere. Um, I really dove into that. And then when it started to, you know, think about where I wanted my career to go, it was, I had aspirations to be Don Draper in the city, working at, you know, a high rise building, maybe Don Draper, the creative side, maybe not all the other stuff that he did on the show, but, um, I wanted to, to have that, you know, that marketing life. And I loved, uh, what I learned with, uh, my marketing career and kind of like why people chose the things that they do or their buying decisions. And, and that was, I had, that's where I wanted my career to go. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, we started to have conversations where we wanted, um, you know, to raise our family and being close to our, our family 
And that was where, yeah, we, we really thought it's, it is the farm. And it was after my, I took my first job out of university, I was working with an agriculture company where I got to talk to farmers and hearing farmers stories, their amazing, heart-wrenching uh, stories and how they all were different. Yes. And that's when I got it to learn outside of my farm um, that there's farmers do so much for our communities and our worlds and our, you know, and for each other. And that was what really sparked um, my interest to, to have a life in agriculture through my family, my husband, and then meeting all these farmers. I think agriculture is just so like, it's so undervalued for Mm the complexities that exist in it. I I think so many think farming is something that we simply inherit and come into. And I just I love how you shared that the stories of farmers and that's actually that's been my experience in the different jobs that I've worked even through university is just getting to spend time with these people who are so passionate about the land and the communities that they're in and giving back and these are the stories that I find just keep going untold yeah and farming is uh you know complex and fascinating and and I come from a farm and when I went to university I thought you know I'm not going to go into agriculture because when you come out of agriculture you either are an agronomist or a farmer and that's coming from someone who grew up in in uh, a farm so um farming is so complex and fascinating because here we are running um, equipment that looks like, you know, has complexities as are equal to a spaceship um, with all the technology. But then also we have, we thrive on traditional values and those um, really, you know, those core values that uh, make up uh, why or how amazing Canada is and and rural life. So it's, it really is undervalued, undervalued, but uh, my whole goal is through learning and sharing other farmers stories. uh, We have more things in common with other people um, and how to bring and connect those stories together. Oh, I love that. And I just, yeah, when I think of farming and farmers, like the word that comes to mind for me has always been humility. Mm -hmm. You know, humility and humbleness and yeah, it's the, uh, it makes it so rich. It really does. And so knowing that you were going to be in the high rise tower in the big city, embracing your inner Don Draper marketing, um, and you couldn't be farther from that visually. I'm not saying like, you know, still fulfilling, but just that is not where you are at all. But you had shared, and I need to know more about this. So you started a snack food company. Yeah. So when my marketing uh, career started to take off, um, Matt and I were in Alberta and my dad called me up. My dad has this entrepreneurial spirit that's second to none. And he called me up and he said, you know, I have a vision of um, having, you know, bringing the same, bringing consumers and farmers together. And I think you can do that um, through creating a product. And he had a vision of of having a barley snack food similar to that of a clodhopper. And he said, Hey, you're the marketer in the family. Uh, do you want to do this? And I thought, what a cool opportunity, uh, to take an idea and dive into, to this process of learning about the science and food labeling and research and the, the value chain. And, 
you know, as a farmer, even now, when things leave my farm, I, I don't necessarily know where they go uh, after they leave. But then taking this, uh, this project and learning about that uh, really, really helped, I think, now um, be the farmer who, uh, who I am and the person who I am. Uh, so after a couple of years of like market research, product development, uh, phoning everyone who had a, a food company in Western Canada, we launched what we called uh, the snack food company. It was Martin Munchies. And it was a uh, little uh, cluster size, uh, sweet and salty clusters of barley. Yum. Yeah, we, were, we were in about 80 retailers across Western Canada. Um, and I did this all at the side of my desk in the basement, uh, shipping, packaging. We made the product. We made the labels. We made the packaging. We sold it. Um, we were the distribution behind it. So, yeah, it was a really, really good opportunity for me and my family. No kidding. And so what, what parts of that do you continue with? Like in the sense of like in your day-to-day life, because I'm sure that just transforms into everything you do. It it really did. And that snack food company was uh, the idea or the reason why I started High Heels and Canola Fields. Uh, So we were in downtown Vancouver and I was very pregnant with my, with our first son. And we were in a market that was very urban. This is where we wanted to be, you know, a farmer uh, sharing uh, a product that we built with our very own hands and came right from our land. And what a cool opportunity to talk to people that had never met a farmer before or didn't know what barley was or what barley tasted like. And then we started to get questions from people about, well, you know, are you a conventional farmer? And then what's the difference? And do you spray pesticides? Do you spray chemicals? And what's what really um, had an impact on me was a couple individuals at that show who didn't want to talk um, after they found out that we used pesticides or if we use glyphosate. And to me, it was really hard because they didn't even want to to have a conversation. Right. Uh, it was just a it was a yes or no, black or white. And I was trying to share the gray. And these are the reasons why we do what we do. And it was one woman who who found out she asked if we sprayed glyphosate. And I said, yes. And she looked at my belly and she said, you are a bad mother. And I took that such to heart because uh, here I hadn't even had the baby. She doesn't know who I am. Um, why we do the things that we do and a farmer, this is, uh, what a product that I had, I made with my own hands and, uh, to put a label on me as a person, um, that really had an impact. So I went home and after a couple years of stewing about what that could be, what I could do to, uh, change that conversation or even for make it a yes or a no and a versus to more of an and, and here's why. And it's, you know, to hear more from a farmer. Um, that's where I created uh, high heels and canola fields. I love your evolution. I think mm-hmm. it is so powerful. And, you know, we're going to talk a bit about women and egg in particular. And that story, just maybe it's the the mom and me as well. It just resonates with like the... If you want to shame a woman, you attack her for motherhood, whether her ability to be a mother or not be a mother or how she's a mother. We just, we need to do a better job of just supporting women in general. And so enter high heels and canola fields and 
tell me, what is it like to be a woman in egg? Uh, that is a great, big question. It um, is. And I didn't know what, what even a woman, a woman in egg or woman in egg, what that definition is, because just like with every farm, every uh, woman uh, who farms or who is part of a farm is also different and their role is different. And what I've learned is, um, and even in my farm journey, uh, being more involved in the farm where, and trying to figure out where I fit, um, what I've learned is we all bring a certain skill set. Um, we all bring a different experience, a different viewpoint. And what makes our industry so fantastic is we talk about the diversity of our crops and what we grow and what we raise. Well, it's also, there's a huge opportunity for the, the diversity of our people and what that brings. And I know on our farm, everyone has a different role. My husband's the mechanic, my brother's the um, operator, the sprayer, the pesticide, and, and my dad's the marketer. Well, I bring, you know, the, the people part and the business part and learning about the finance part and the marketing part. Uh, so our farm is, is only as successful as the people and their passion and their skills. And so with being a woman in egg, I think it's the same that every woman on their farm or in their farm, farm operations brings a certain thing to the table and that too within the industry. And growing up, I had amazing women in egg mentors who I could look up to and they taught me so much. Um, and I'm so very fortunate. And I hope that by me being, you know, on social media and on boards and speaking in front of a group that that also provides, you know, encouragement and inspiration to other women, other, you know, girls that are growing up and saying, Hey, if I want to be part of this industry, I can be part of this industry, no matter what, whether that's being uh, an operator or whether it's being, you know, in finance or whether it's in marketing that we need diversity. We need all those skills to make our, our industry as good as it, it can be. That is so true too about the whole, the diversity of the roles that we play. And remember, again, like you shared growing up as an athlete and that team mentality and that team approach. Mm -hmm. And I think I also just need to give that shout out to the women like, or the men who are running the home operation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think so often when we think of farms, we truly just put ourselves into the tractor in the field and forgetting about the background of the people who are doing the marketing or the financing, you know, the agronomy part of it, but also the people who are in the home who are, you know, basically single parenting through harvest oh, yes. and seeding and getting meals out to the field and, you know, just the value of every role on the farm. Yeah, my dad, he taught me a lot because here I had left my marketing career where I was a leader, I was managing a team, I had aspirations and then moved to the farm, which I love and am blessed to be with my family. And then here I was sitting and I thought I was very narrow minded. I'm like, my role is the cook. And I, and I thought, you know, sitting down there, I felt very deflated. I was like, I have a university education, 15 years corporate world, and I left it all. And now I'm, I'm the, I'm a cook. 
And it was my dad who sat down and, and he saw, you know, me feeling a little bit beat up and, and my, my viewpoint of this. And he said, well, Leslie, uh, it's not just the food. You know that it's not just the food. Uh, farmers, they, we raise food, but we do it with uh, the values that come from raising that food. And he's like, you are doing the exact same thing. And our, our farm has a culture and we designed it that way where it's not just about the food. You are bringing out nourishment to this farm team where they get, they get a break. They get a physical break, a mental break from being in that tr tractor or that uh, piece of equipment for 16 hours. They get to see their family. They get to de-stress. He's like, it's not just about, about the food. It's about the culture that we bring, that we offer, that we're doing as a family. And he said, we wouldn't be able to operate if it wasn't for, um, you know, the farm, the farm team behind the scenes. He's like, it really is. He's like, just like any sports, he always brings it back to sports or curling. Uh, a skip can't carry the team. Uh, they can sometimes make that big shot at the end when it counts, but you need the setup of the lead and the second and the third, uh, to help make that skip, um, help set up the skip. So he's like, that's what you, you're, that's what you're doing. That's what everyone's role is doing is helping everyone get through this harvest season and be a successful farming operation. I love that. And I love that, like how he really focuses on the culture that exists. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think, you know, you just took me back to my childhood of like harvest picnics in the field and the magic that I don't think I recognize until later because I didn't have the dad who was working corporate hours stuck in traffic of Toronto to get home for a late dinner. But the value was that we ate together yes. and we nourished it's together strong. and right. And everything that what it meant to see that everyone stopped mm -hmm. to gather to nourish ourselves to then get back to our jobs and we all had yeah. jobs even as little kids you know we had jobs which were like get the hell to bed yeah. <laughs> so, you know and and it, it doesn't stop and i really carry those values you know with me today and i love that that vision your dad your dad's insight just gave me of the culture of the farm. Yeah, it's the vision, it's the culture, and it's also the memories. He's like, we won't remember, you know, that last day of harvest in 1988, but you will remember that time that we sat in the field uh, taking those 20 minutes and smiling and reconnecting. And he also brought it down to even a safety component. He's like, you're bringing them down to a level that, uh, you know, that break that helps them be more safe when they get back on the tractor and, and, uh, and more focused. So that really uh, changed my whole perspective a couple of years ago. And now like I, I couldn't love it anymore because um, I'm trying different things, uh, you know, recipes and um, I get, bring my kids involved or get my kids involved. And we bring out, um, you know, it's an opportunity for our farm team too, to see their spouses. So, and then it's us, you know, connecting with uh, those that we rent land from and friends. So we also, we extend that culture to other people who might not get it on a day to day or, um, you know, a year, year basis. So it's farming, it's a farm life and it's about community too and, and family. It absolutely is. And I am going to take this segue and run with it, Leslie, yes. with this notion of safety and community and connection and family. 
And that's going to lead us right into mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like your dad about taking the breaks and it's beyond the physical breaks. And we, we need to see the people that we love when we're putting in those long, lonely hours. Like, let's not pretend that those are easy. And so let's talk about why mental health is so important to you. Yeah, mental health is near and dear to my heart. And I would say uh, 10, 15 years ago, I didn't know really much about mental health. Um, I knew it from a sports psychology aspect of, um, you know, focus and bringing that mental component to the game. But outside of that, um, it wasn't a priority and I didn't didn't think it should be a priority. It wasn't until I had uh, postpartum with our second boy, Copeland, and my husband really helped me through that hard time. And then shortly after, my husband started to have panic attacks and where it, it was hard. Like he thought uh, he was dying and having to go into those moments of just fight or flight to figure out what, what to do to help him. And that was when we, did, we had conversations, both him and I, and our our extended family as to we need to do things differently in our family and on our farm because this is not good uh we can't can't live like this and and seeing that um struggle and feel that he was less than and he, like he even said he felt less than of a provider of a father because he was away he was at the farm he lived in Regina and we farm at Watrous so he was commuting he felt that he was that's a long commute it was a long commute and it was a short term. We uh, made the sacrifice so I could have a career and then um, us still farm. And because the farm wasn't in a position to take on three families when we moved back from Alberta. So we made the short term sacrifice of living of in Regina. And he lived in a, in a camper uh, basically from April to November and then commuted, which was, you know, after sitting in a piece of equipment for 16 hours and then drive two hours, that's a long day. So it started to wear on him. And then he was missing, he, here we had two young boys and missing out on that life and feeling like he was in between two worlds. And um, then we got a huge amount of rain. And we had, a, we had drowned acres and that really hurt us financially as we were trying to expand and grow the farm. And he built two businesses on top of that. So sleep deprived, all the pressures, um, family pressures, financial pressures, the son-in-law pressures of figuring out uh, this new farm dynamics between my dad and my brother and yeah, started to have panic attacks. And, uh, we sat down as a family to figure out, um, and learn how we could help support Matt. And then it was a couple years later when my girlfriend and fellow farmer, Kim Keller, she put out a tweet, uh, sharing about farm stress and how we need to talk about mental health and agriculture. And, Matt and I were watching this conversation unfold and how everyone was saying, yes, we need to talk about it, which was so great. But then we thought, yeah, but, um, we're still not really talking about it. No, we're talking that we should talk about it, talking around it. We're talking around it. So Matt and I, we did a live video a couple uh, days after our, I think it was our 11th or 12th year anniversary. I think it was our 11th year anniversary. And, uh, yeah, we, we put it all out there and we were so nervous. And I remember sitting down, it was, it was, uh, not scripted. Um, so this will be as a, a real conversation as anyone would have at their kitchen table if they were with us. And 
I remember before, like just Googling farmer share mental health story and there was, there wasn't anything out there. And I thought, wow, like we can't be the only ones. We can't be the only ones going through this. And there were other risks too. And some of the risks were, you know, what would our, um, what would our community think? And would we be accepted? And what would our friends think? And what would our family even think? Because some of our family didn't know. And then what really hurt was, you know, would this impact our insurance? And then would would there be a potential that we would lose our rented land? And we thought, wow, that's the stigma. That is the stigma of preventing farmers. It's not just uh, the notion of what would people think. It's the notion of also how would this impact my business because we live in these small towns and rural communities that are so closely connected. And none of those risks, none of those risks happened after we did that video. And actually the video, um, what, what happened afterwards where we put it out there thinking, okay, if it just one person watches, if it helps one person, but the amount of messages and emails and phone calls and texts from in and outside of agriculture and within Canada and around the world made us really open our eyes to, wow, this uh, it's not just us. Our farmers are really going through a hard time. They're really struggling. And that then transpired into a few of us uh, sitting down and meeting and uh, knowing that there, were, there, was, there wasn't anything dedicated to mental health and agriculture solely dedicated. So that's where we created uh, Do More Agriculture, uh, a charity, not-for-profits, uh, national across Canada, focusing on farmer mental health through bringing you know, more awareness, trying to create community, facilitate open discussions, and bring resources and support. Hello, friends. You're listening to Highlighting Real with Lisa Gregg. Today on the program, we have Lisa in conversation with Miss High Heels and Canola Fields herself, Leslie Kelly. And now back to their conversation. So needed and so mm-hmm. powerful, Leslie. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it goes to show, it's it's Dan Siegel's quote where it's, you know, name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. And that's for every one of our emotions that I think we struggle with. I use it in grief a lot, but, you know, when it comes to mental health and mental illness, I think, like you said, it's the stigma piece that is bigger than people talking about us. And I think sometimes when we talk around mental health, you know, we get so stuck on, yeah, but it's, you know, the stigma of what people say. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's actually that story we tell ourselves about our livelihood coming crashing down. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember being in a room where uh, talking, we were on a panel sharing about mental health and our stories and a farmer, he uh, was sobbing through the whole thing. And afterwards, he didn't have to share his story. He didn't have to get in front of a crowd and, um, you know, share that mental health journey. But what he said to me was, you know, he said, I, I'd like to thank you. And we, we said, so we asked like, well, why? He said, I'm going to go home and talk to my wife. Uh, you just saved my life. And he felt the weight of the world just by being in that room and listening, uh, the weight of that world uh, come off of his shoulders and just the courage to talk about it because of the fear um, and the stigma behind of, uh, you know, what could happen. Um, And so, so thankful that he was in that room that day. It's, it's true because I think, you know, I mean, in just regular everyday culture, we avoid talking about suicidality and suicidal ideations and stigmatization, let alone in a culture that has been so dominantly male and just quite like isolated 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you really, when people, when you were to say, tell me about farming, what do you see? I think the average person thinks of probably a man sitting in the cab of a tractor or combine and, you know, but forgetting about the entire operation and the livelihood that the entire team is carrying on their shoulders for so many families. Yeah. I get a lot of questions as to, I remember even when we first started talking about mental health, being told, you don't talk about this. You only share the positive things about agriculture. And that's great. And we do share those, but there's also the real side of it that, um, you know, there's the the real side of it where we have so many more things in common then. Um, and also that's what connects us to those outside of the industry too, that we are earning for, um, their trust and compassion. I'm like, because they have their struggles and those commonalities might be different, but there are so many other things that we can connect on. And that is just by being human and sharing that realness and sharing that vulnerability and that we all go through something. It's what makes us human. Absolutely. And again, it, it, we have to start doing a better job of normalizing, our struggles and mm-hmm. highlighting real life. Like that's, you know, the, even the whole point of having this podcast and these conversations is it's not, you know, being pessimistic. It's just simply acknowledging like stuff is hard and hard. this is, this is, these are the things that help. Yes. You know, and so now that we've talked a little bit about, you know, your do more egg and the nonprofit. So what, what do we need to do a better job? job of what, you know, what have you noticed, um, the biggest impacts and improvements, but also where do we still need to go? Oh, um, we've made huge strides, uh, in the past couple of years since Dumore was created. And there's so many others that are contributing to this conversation, whether that's online or in boardrooms, um, or at the kitchen table. So the amount of work and effort, um, and those conversations has gone so far. Um, but I see more work and help and support and resources needed both at an industry level and then at farm levels and then just on the personal level. So industry levels would be, you know, um, more support on rural internet, more resources into rural internet so we can access um, support and resources, more help and support into, into mental, into mental health in rural communities where it's hard for us to get off a tractor and drive four hours into the city. So how can we access those supports where it's face to face? Um, and then when it comes to, um, you know, at the farm level, we've done so much, um, on our farm to make mental health a priority. It, you know, productivity and getting the crop in and harvest is, is a priority, but so are each other. So working on those values and how we can be closer together and know each other's worlds and talk about those hard topics, those challenging topics, not just mental health, but also, you know, um, where the farm is headed and uh, conflict. And so it's just, it's helped our farm talk about those hard things and work, um, work together, not just apart, but work together through them. And then the other thing that we can do is for ourselves and in our industry and for each other is make us a priority. 
we put, you know, so much into growing our crops and growing our food and raising our livestock that we should, um, maybe I always say be number one on your priority list, but I'm actually shifting that. Just put yourself on that list rather than say just my crops or, you know, I got to go tend to my crops or my cattle, just put me too. You know, you are just as important as um, any other asset on your farm. Um, so knowing that you are worth it and that, um, being productive also then requires, you know, taking time for yourself, doing those things that help fill your cup and keep you healthy too. I think that is such a profound point and a realistic point is Mm -hmm. just put yourself on the list. Mm -hmm. There's going to be times where if we're going to be realistic, you know what? Getting the crop off is the priority. Yes. And it would be so great if we could all just take some pauses, shut down, stretch it out, spend time with, like, that would be lovely. Um, But it's not a union nine to five job. So you just have to find very creative ways to get you on the list. But that also includes talking about maybe times when you're not on the list and being able to say to your support team, I'm struggling. I have fallen off the list. I need your help to get me back on it. Exactly. And I know that my self-care or putting me on the list is very different during harvest. So my self-care priorities or being real, realistic is having a nice five-minute warm shower um, or, yes. you know, splurging on some comfy work clothes. Yes. So I feel comfortable in the cab or, you know, buying that uh, expensive uh, hot coffee before I go out to the farm just to give me, you know, uh to, to know that I'm still worth it. Um, but then after harvest and then it's giving myself and even Matt and our, our team, the time to recover from that and that well-deserved break and, uh, just to recharge those batteries too. So it all depending on the, just like with farming, it comes with seasons and so does how we take care of ourselves. I think those are such great and practical examples, Leslie. And I, you know, my challenge is, is for, anybody who's listening, whether you farm or don't, but really spending time in the seasons of our life. And I mean, all of us are also existing in the season of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we also know that our self-care and self-compassion is much different than it was in February than it is now. But we can find ways, like you've said, even taking notice of that hot shower when you're in it. Yes, be more aware and present um, and even aware of and being compassionate and granting each other grace. So we grant each other a huge amount of grace during harvest. But now because we're in that pandemic, it's granting so many other people that grace of, hey, they're we don't, I might not know what they're going through, but likely right now we're all going through something and, and extending that kindness. So with my husband, it's, uh, you know, uh, texting in that day to saying, Hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking about you, you know, that we can't chat for, you know, an hour on the phone, but just to let him know that, you know, you're top of top of mind or even all my friends, you know, harvest, I can't, uh, go out or see them as much, but it's sending them just uh, a quick text. Uh, Hey, what's going on? And I miss you. Can't wait to catch up. So those, those small things, I've learned that small things really do matter or, or become big things. It really is about the little things. And I think we put so much pressure on these large grand gestures and we become really stuck in that all or nothing mentality when, you know, really and truly it's about all or something and yeah. something really adds up to a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. People in life, all we want to do is be, be heard and be seen and be loved. Oh, isn't that the truth? And so as we wind down, I want to just go back to High Heels Canola Fields because that is where we find you on Instagram. I know that you have such a large following and, you know, support network and you really are impacting so many people. And I just want to hear from you, like what, what's your, what's your purpose of that? What's your hope of that account and sharing what you do? I, and it's, I've always been true to why I created it and I haven't steered far from that. I originally had a vision of sharing my love of food and farming, but it just goes back to sharing my love of people in life. So I started it with the goal of bringing people together, having a place where people could ask questions, connect, um, share that life aspect that, and, you know, so also positivity and a place to have fun. And that is my, my sole purpose, whether it's at high heels or canola fields or in life, um, kitchen table or on social media is to bring people together, connect and, uh, have some fun. And speaking of fun, tell me about your t-shirts, Leslie. I like, I laugh so hard at them. I've got friends that have posted, you know, on Snapchat, I'll see them or I'll see you share them in like your videos and pictures. And like, I guess maybe it's just like the, the farming background of me, but I think they're so great. Yeah. So I started, so, um, I think it's almost been a year. I created uh, some mental health t-shirts. So they were, um, they're coffee farming and mental health. And my goal was, you know, we're starting to have conversations about mental health. And if you put it on a t-shirt, um, what a great way to share awareness about mental health, but also start conversations and all the proceeds go to do more. And since then it's kind of just, uh, um, it's grown because I did, a video a couple years ago, um, after it was a really, really hard harvest and I got called out to run the grain cart and I'm not very, I'm, I can fully attest. I'm not a very good operator. And, but I do enjoy it. I love, cause it's a chain of scenery. I love to try. I love being out there and learning. And I, videotaped myself throughout the day and I cut it into short little pieces and made this video. And I showed my brother, I'm like, you know, what do you think? He's like, Oh, that's, that's pretty funny. So I posted it and I had no idea of the response I would get. I think it's been viewed like 5 million times. And it's just, a, it, I think I called it a day in the life of a newly appointed grain cart operator. But what I loved about it was people took clips of that or little pieces and were able to connect with it. Um, whether, you know, it's, it's that beginner. You know, we, we all start at a beginner level. Doesn't uh, matter if it's farming or if it's somewhere else in life. Um, people connected on all, all the snacks, eating all the snacks, whether that was you know, also in an office or in a tractor and then just communication, the hand signals communication is, it can be, it's hard, especially in high stress situations. And what I loved about it is here, I was trying to bring some fun to those going through a hard harvest, but the people outside of agriculture that also loved it really, uh, was a, humbling experience. So since then I created, it's called the world's okayest grain cart driver t-shirt with hand signals. And I 
uh, posted on my site a couple times and every time it's sold out. So I can't keep up to the demand, which is great because I love how uh, people, you know, it's a way just to share some laughs. It's a gifting opportunity. And it's, you know, for me, it's, it's okay to not be good at everything. It's okay to, you know, be the world's okayest at something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like the way corner gas brought Saskatchewan to the world. It's like you're bringing (laughs) to like the general population. And it is so okay to be okayist. Yes. And I embrace it because I might be good at just a couple things, but I love the try of doing something outside of my comfort zone. Because there's so, we, we don't give props enough to getting outside of our comfort zone and being that trier and not being good at it. And that's, that's okay. It's yeah. completely okay. It is. Oh, Leslie, I feel like so motivated after speaking with you. I just feel like, hey, okay, oh. what is something like, what do I want to try being okay as that? Because that's going <laughs> to be most things, but it, it is, it's like that, that growth mindset and just your willingness to just jump in and try all the things and just spark joy. It, it's so, um, it's just evident to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I remember watching a YouTube video, um, Casey Neistat, a good video to watch that always gives me, if I feel in like, oh, you know, I'm not too sure, I don't feel good enough, or, um, you know, you feel less than, watch a video called um, Do What You Can't. Okay. That's a life model. Do what you can. It's amazing. Because, yeah, he's taken things that he, uh, people said he can't do and said, yeah, well, I'm going to try. Do what you can't. So, Leslie, with that said, and before we jump into the deep dive round, is there any final thoughts that you want to leave listeners with? Uh, oh, I would say, yeah, kind of going back to my life model is um, be curious, always learn, because the people that you'll meet along your journey will teach you something, teach you something you might not use that day, but it could be something later on. So, um, just keep, yeah, be a constant learner. And if you feel that you might not be good enough or you might feel less than, just try because you never know where it could take you. Thank you so much, Leslie. And I am going to include um, all the places that people can find you on the show notes. So rather than you having to like spell it out and go through it all, I'm actually just going to attach all of that so that um, everyone can find you because I can just say that it's like both entertaining and uplifting. Oh, great. (laughs) To follow what you're doing. I I think, and and also like informational, it's just, it's such insight into a world that I think a lot of people don't know a lot about, to be honest. Yeah. Thank you. That means, that means a lot to me. If that's what you take away that that's exactly it. Oh, good. Well, now I just want to finish this with a bit of a deep dive rapid fire where I'm going to ask you just random questions and Don't overthink them. Share whatever comes to mind. No editing required. And we'll jump into this. So what is something that you want listeners or your followers followers to know about you that maybe they don't? Oh, I, um, I'm an introverted extrovert. So people uh, might think that I'm very get into a group and I'm loud and everything. No, I'm actually pretty, I'm a pretty quiet person. I take it all in, I digest. And uh, yeah, people might think of it as being shy, but uh, I just like to sit back and watch. What is something you are not good at? 
Oh, everything. Um, <laughs> I would, uh, I, something I'm very not good at is singing. Horribly. <laughs> okay. I'm Horribly. Good <laughs> um, what is the number one sign when you're overwhelmed? Oh, when I'm overwhelmed, um, I, I cry. I get to a point and it just, I feel it and tears just come out. So that's, that's when I know I'm in over my head and to go ask for some help. Good. You have to have brunch with one famous person. They have to be alive. I want to know who it is and one question you would ask them. Oh, they have to be alive. They have to be alive. If, if you can think of something, if not, we can go to somebody who's not alive. Um, you know what? I recently listened to a podcast with Lady Gaga and ever since she did that, uh, that movie, um, oh, when she was, oh, it's a star, a star star is born, born. Um, and then learning about her journey with mental health, mental illness and having fibromyalgia, I would love to ask her, um, like how she does it, um, through the pain, the demands, the pressures, um, how, how she can get on the stage and do what she does every day, just to have that encouragement and inspiration. And I just, I really admire both of them for doing that movie and putting alcoholism and that mental illness on a whole different, with a whole different lens. And even that stigma of, uh, of, men and having to be, you know, heroic and stoic and in a whole different light. Um, uh, I look up to her immensely. Oh, that's, that would be, I look forward to that interview that you do with Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> no, really it would be. Um, what is one habit you have that makes your day easier? Oh, I, um, would say I write out all the things that I have to do in that week. Um, so it would be a list, but one thing that I do is I put things on a Trello board, um, like a sticky note board, on the computer so I can access it wherever it's where I keep all my travel schedules, all the kids information, recipes, farm stuff. So that's made my life a lot easier. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her? Um, geez that I couldn't even imagine what it would be like being an 18 year old girl right now, um, with social media and those pressures. So I would tell her, um, you don't need to be anyone else other than yourself. Mm. Isn't that the truth? Mm -hmm. This one might be easier for your parents or grandparents, but how would they describe what you do for a living? <laughs> uh it, really easy i would say that they would say uh she talks a lot <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> what are you reading oh right now i just started the book uh, how to talk to strangers by malcolm gladwell and what a amazing time because the first chapter because he wrote that i bought it uh, last year and the first chapter dives into black black lives matter and how um a woman i forget her name uh, black, uh, just graduated from college, huge aspirations on a great path, got pulled over. Uh, it escalated. Oh uh, yes. He was, uh, arrested and then yep. died by suicide a couple days later. And 
Yeah. So it's all about how, how we communicate with strangers and understand intentions coming from different experiences, backgrounds. So learning lots already. It's a, I've, it's a powerful book. I listened to the audible. Okay. It is like a, a game changer for audible books. Because oh, good. It has like actual, it's like a podcast style, but a whole book. Wow. So just yeah. if you like read it and you're like, you want to listen to it, or if you have somebody that would be better off listening after you've read it, it's, it's such a powerful book. Okay. So, that's, that's great to know. Yeah. Um, what is your last binge on Netflix? Uh, during, uh, the lockdown, it was friends. I went, went through the 10 seasons and it was such a joy. Brought back back to comfort. It, back yeah, to it comfort. was. It was. Um, speaking of comfort, what's your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? Oh, we always order all dressed pizza from uh, one of the two restaurants, two pizza and restaurants. What are the two restaurants? I love giving shout outs. Uh, Pepper Tree and John's Plate and Watchress. Perfect. What is something I did not ask you that I should have? Oh, I don't even, I'm not too sure. I okay. don't know. Okay. Well, if something comes up after this, we can, you can throw it in. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, my dad, uh, during those conversations of how I was trying to find my role on the farm, and he, he uh, sat down with me and talking about, you know, High Heels, a snack food company, my marketing company. And uh, he said, uh, appreciate how far you've come mm. and then keep going. Your dad is so wise. Yeah, he he's very wise. And uh, just to give him a shout out, you know, you would put him in the typical or stereotypical farmer box, you know, um, older. And he was the one that be, that said uh, when we were all going through uh, mental health struggles and challenges. And he said, uh, and then we wanted, you know, to grow the farm and do this. And he said, uh, kids, if I know something out of all the things in life and in, within farming, um, what I've learned is it's not about how much acres you have or the equipment you drive or the car you have. It's about how we take care of each other and ourselves. And that would, that will determine your success in life. He's like a farming Buddha. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it really is. Wow. He really is. <laughs> so when you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? Oh, well, uh, crying really, it, it helps me release. Yeah. Uh, release. Yeah. And then what I do is I phone my husband or a friend and, uh, I talk about it or try to get my mind off of it. And I put on some music, I dance through it, or then I go out and I run through it, go for a run. Um, but that really, really helps, uh, get into a different mind space, brings perspective, uh, brings me back to, to my peaceful state. Well, Leslie, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I love, I love doing this stuff. Yeah. Thank you for helping me spread awareness for both mental health and farming and, and everything. Absolutely. I think we need we need more of the good word out there. And I just think that this is a, a large population that's just been overlooked and undercared for when they're the ones who have been feeding us and taking care of us. So I think it's just so important that we do that. Oh, thank you for having me. 
Well, thanks for tuning in to today's show, everybody. We sure do appreciate the uh, listens. You can always uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and uh, be sure to leave a review over there or follow along at Spotify or anywhere you choose to listen to your favorite podcast. Uh, We always appreciate the support. And remember, sharing is caring. You can uh, let your friends know about the show. Uh, Today's episode has been produced by yours truly, Ross Nielsen. For Yesteryear Productions, all music is written, recorded, and performed by moi for Yesteryear Productions. See you in two weeks.